We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome back packers fans to the pack a day podcast happy saturday happy weekend it is most of your saturday crew here together with you i am jason perone of the pack a day podcast game on wisconsin and the quick slants podcast along with Paul Brettel of Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV, and the Packers Unrestricted Podcast. No, Matt Fralick, he's a little under the weather, so we are sending well wishes to Matt, who will hopefully be back with us again next week. I think, I don't know, Paul, I think our, our trio here is a little bit cursed. We've just had all of these things going on, and we haven't all been able to be together, but we've got you and I for this show. How are you feeling while we're at it? I'm doing excellent, Jason. Glad to, glad to be back with you. Awesome, good. And as always, got to start with the old weather report. I actually had a chance to do Wednesday's show with Mark Eckel. Kind of a redux of me and, and Mark and Paul, unfortunately, weren't able to join us. But got a little weather report in there. Sounds like things are going well at the beach there. Mark seems to be doing well. But as always, we start as far east as possible. And I'm going to guess that your weather report is probably further east than mine. I think so. It depends where we start. And I don't think Mark's ever had a bad day at the beach. No. But <laughs> I got a message here from Rob Warnikin. He is from Adelaide, Australia. 68 degrees Fahrenheit there, 20 degrees Celsius, which he says is cool for this time of the year as it is late spring. Some rain in the weekend. And, and uh, Rob also adds he's looking forward to summer in Australia as well as kicking some Vikings butt this weekend. Very good. And as you're the lone representative of the Dairyland State of Wisconsin, how are we looking in Green Bay? It is November weather, 30s, 40s for the highs. Um, You know, winter is on its way. Got some sun, though, coming out this weekend, so it should be, shouldn't feel that cold. Excelente. Well, here in the Phoenix area, I always send warm thoughts to everybody because we're still hanging on to the 80s by the skin of our teeth. We've got a couple more days in the 80s, but I think fall is here, which means uh, it'll only be in the 70s for this next week. So close to 80 through this weekend and then mid 70s next week. A lot of sunshine, a little bit of cloud action there. And then our friend Harry in Kamloops, Canada, Western Canada, says this week it's been a snowy one. Rain on the coast. There was snow up here as well. Looks like we're warming up. This won't last too long uh, on the ground for the snow because of the warmer temperatures. Sounds like a high of 39. 
low of 34 with some more snow overnight. So there is your weather update. And as always, I try to keep it warm and airy instead of light and airy, I guess I say. So Packers injuries and Vikings injury report ahead of this game on Sunday. Paul, I have to be honest with you. It was nice to just have a week of uh, guys recovering and mostly football talk where it wasn't any weird stuff going on for the first time in what seems like a very long time. Unless you consider the sale of additional shares of Packers stock (laughs) an oddity, which I don't. I'm always a big fan of that. I always think that's really cool. Do you own stock or did you buy stock this week? Uh, yes, I bought stock for uh, my daughter actually, and I thought that this would be a good opportunity to get her in on ground on the ground level. You know, get that Packer stock, and sh- she's she's uh, 18 months old, but I can already tell she's looking forward to her first uh, shareholders meeting and you know getting in on those conference calls with Goody and Mark Murphy and company. There you go. That's awesome. Congratulations to Reagan. That is super cool. I did not buy stock, so I, I don't know what it'll take for me at some point, but I'm a big supporter of everyone that does it, and I know that's one way to help support the team, and it's hard to say that you're not a true fan if you're willing to, to put your money where your mouth is, as they say, and that's, I don't, I can't think of a better example than that, sure. so that's awesome. So, well, Paul, let's jump into the injury report. A couple of names as far as the Packers. The Packers had a lot of players that either missed some practice or didn't practice at all this week, but... We know that uh, left tackle David Bakhtiari will not play this week. He was not able to practice this week, so he is ruled out. We talked a little bit before the show started as far as what are the Packers going to do. They've got a tough game coming up against the Rams after this Sunday's game against the Vikings. One thing at a time, obviously. But then you've got the bye week after that. And your opinion was Bakhtiari is likely primed to join us after the bye week, which would make it darn near close to a year since he's played in the game. Yeah, that's my guess. I mean, when he was first back at practice before, you know, he had to be activated off pup, I think my original prediction was the Seattle game here. But just given how, you know, he just hasn't practiced. And Matt LaFleur said that Bakhtiari needs to string together multiple practices in a row and not just being a limited participant. He needs to be a full participant. So in these coming, you know, weeks, as we, you know, monitor the injury report, Keep your eye on, you know, Bakhtiari, and if he's a full participant, he's going to need for sure at least two days in a row where he does that, and I'm going to guess he's going to need at least a full week's worth before the Green Bay Packers feel comfortable. So my guess at this point, altering what I originally thought because that date had passed, is that the Bears following the bye week is going to be the earliest that he'll be back, and honestly, if it's beyond then, I won't be too surprised. You know, we know he's been back at practice on an individual capacity since, and they know, or, uh, October 20th, I think it was. Um, and then he was activated off the pup list, and he's been, when he's practicing, it's just been one. He has been with team, but it's been unlimited capacity. But that activation off pup was just a formality. I think we all needed to remember that because had they not done it, he would have gone on season-ending IR. So obviously they expect him to be, expect him to be back at some point. But again, it was a formality. The three weeks was up. It was not an indication of, hey, he's ready to go. So I don't think that there's been, again, I'm just speculating and guessing here. I don't think there's been any sort of setback in the grand scheme of things. It's been only 10 and a half months since he suffered the injury. You know, everyone heals at a different rate. And in the grand scheme of an ACL injury, that's not a long time, Um, you know, especially at any position, I should say. But so I think he's going to be the Bears game following the bye week at the earliest, but He's going to need to string together those full participations in practice. So 
as the coming weeks go by and Wednesday, Thursdays, Fridays, injury reports come out, keep your eyes on that because that's going to be our best indicator. Yeah, I think a lot of people were encouraged by the fact that technology has changed. Some players have come back from ACL injuries sooner. David Bakhtiari is no short, has no shortage of grind and hustle in trying to get himself back. So the optimism was he'd be back sooner than later. But as we know, the Packers medical staff is also extremely conservative. And I can also tell you, David Bakhtiari is, if he had any chance of playing and it was realistic, he'd be playing because you know he's lobbying. And so if he's taking it easy and doing the smart thing, for himself from a medical standpoint you know it's a it's a marathon not a sprint at this point because the Packers have a lot in front of them and it looks like there's going to be some more football beyond weeks 18 of this season so I'm glad the Packers are kind of taking it slow and and the offensive line has done okay without them they've had some struggles they haven't been perfect they're going to face another tough test this weekend against a, a tough Vikings defense at home but I think the Bakhtiari situation is uh it's it's still encouraging that he's on the roster practicing, you know, when Matt LaFleur said a decision's already been made, I think the majority of us thought that that decision was going to lean more towards him playing sooner than mm-hmm. not. But that's why you just never know in the world of the NFL. And, and the Packers, once again, playing it tight to the vest. And David Bakhtiari will not play this weekend. So it'll be Elton Jenkins at left tackle. And then you assume the offensive line is going to be your usual starting five that it has been. Sting and you brought up. I was just going to say, you brought up a good point about a marathon, not a sprint, because it's, you know, they have to get this right with David Bakhtiari. You obviously don't want to risk his long-term health of his knee or jeopardize this season because the important part is that he's back for playoff time. And obviously we want him back as soon as possible, as long as it's a, you know, he's at a hundred percent, but it's about having him ready to go a hundred percent for the playoffs, not trying to get him back for week 11, 12, 13, and so on. Yeah, and not that you want to take any player for granted, but the Packers right. made a very sizable investment in David Bakhtiari, so you're right, they do have to get this one They do have to get this one right. So if we just kind of stay on this past week, uh, Paul, because the Packers got a win against Seattle, but it was costly because they lost three players. Whitney Merciless will not return to the Packers. He has a torn bicep. His season, unfortunately, is over. He gets his first sack of the game. It looked like he might be starting to turn a corner and be a big producer while the Packers wait await news on Zadarius Smith as a pass rusher but Whitney Merciless will not be back that was unfortunate but two other injuries that did look pretty bad on Sunday and we ended, ended up getting some pretty good news on running back Aaron Jones does have a knee injury he's going to miss one to two weeks so he will not play did not practice this week will not play against the Vikings and outside linebacker Rashawn Gary had that gnarly looking elbow injury that turned out to not have any structural damage. They got some good news on the medical front there. He says he may try to play and brace it. So he is listed as questionable. Paul, let's start with Aaron Jones because he's such a big part of the offense and what the offense does. And the offense has not been the 2020 version of itself. They haven't been churning out points like they were before. So they're going to be without Jones for a couple games. And you got that bye week. So once again, it's a situation where if he's close and it's, it's you're uncertain, you'd have to think the Packers once again think marathon, not sprint, and maybe he doesn't play against the Rams, gets that extra week of rest during the bye, and comes back fresh after that. So we got some good news on Aaron Jones, but that's going to be a big loss to the offense because he, as we know, has been very productive both on the ground and through the air. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this offense is just – I know – you know, us Packer fans know, but if you know if you don't follow the team that closely, you see Aaron Rodgers, you see Devontae Adams, and you know you think of this passing game. But man, this offense is just so much better when it goes through Aaron Jones in the run game. And obviously, we've seen from AJ Dillon; he's someone that 
you know, they can lean on for four quarters in the passing game, in the run game. So I'm not terribly concerned. You know, I'm not really concerned about the drop off in that aspect, but it's the drop off going from where AJ Dillon would be running back to, to now it's Patrick Taylor. You know, he, he had his first two carries last week against Seattle and he's someone that I really like. I've liked him since, uh, before the 2020 draft he was someone at memphis that i thought he would match well in this offense and when the green bay packers were able to sign him as an undrafted rookie i was happy very happy to see him come here he's uh obviously a a good runner uh effective in the passing game aaron Rodgers spent probably 30 seconds you know 30 seconds to a minute this past week in one of his press conferences talking about what patrick taylor can do specifically in the passing game um, so obviously he's going to be needed to spell A.J. Dillon at times. Dillon can't carry the ball the entire four quarters. But I think we might see uh, Patrick Taylor in the passing game as well. And during his time in Memphis, he, he was uh, a respectable pass blocker as well. And we know that's an important part. So it's going to be – so I'm confident that A.J. Dillon can handle that workload, as I said, in both the passing game and the running game. But obviously the question that really comes to mind is instead of – uh, uh, potentially the best running back duo in football in Jones and Dylan. Now you have Dylan and, well, let's see what we have in Patrick Taylor. Again, someone I really like, but he has two career NFL carries. So there's some unknown there as well. Yeah, I mean, in those two carries, he looked okay last week, but it's a very limited sample size. And again, this comparison is kind of reachy because it doesn't really compare the styles. But Taylor's a little bit of a bigger back. And remember back in 2010 when James Starks joined the team late in the season and kind of gave him a boost? Now, that was a different mm-hmm. story. He had to be the bell cow and the, and the main running back. And he had that big playoff game against Philadelphia. But I think if you limit, like I've always said all season long, if the players on your roster are playing the appropriate number of snaps, they can be successful. And I think Patrick Taylor is, he looked like, at least in his first couple carries, like he's been paying attention in practice. So... You could do a lot worse, and I think the Packers will be fine. There's a reason why they kept him on the roster. A.J. Dillon, no question about it. He is ready to rock and roll. You know, he's got young, fresh legs, and you would like to reduce a little bit of that wear and tear on him, but I think he's young enough he'll be okay. And then Aaron Jones comes back and essentially gets three weeks off that he would have had some grind on him, and he's fresher for that late-season run. So hopefully the Packers can maintain I won't say stay afloat because they're already well floating above water as the number one seed in the NFC, but they want to continue to maintain some of that lead and that stature amongst the NFC team. So Rashawn Gary, the other player that we mentioned as far as the defense goes, Gary may try to brace up the elbow and play. I think one of the reasons why he wants to be out there, A, is because he loves football and he's a grinder. Secondly, he knows the, the the depth on the pass rush, the depth chart is just very weak. You know, besides Preston Smith, You've got Rashawn Gary, Jonathan Garvin, and then from there they they up they uh, elevated Tipa Yalea. I didn't realize it was pronounced with a Y. It's actually not a G, not a hard G. Somebody pointed that out to me this week. I had no idea. Tipa Yalea uh, got elevated, so you don't know that he's going to play much because you need that depth, but he has absolutely no snaps. So once again here, Paul, you have an inexperienced group, and the pass rush, uh, you know, the pass rush group is kind of mashing it to get mash uniting uniting it together to try to make sure that they've got enough death to get after Kirk Cousins this weekend. So if Rashawn Gary can't go, it's Preston Smith, Jonathan Garvin. Could be a really interesting day for the defense up front. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, those, I mean, they've managed to, you know, overcome, you know, not having Zedaria Smith this season because of Rashawn Gary. I mean, he's top five and I think total pressures among edge rushers, second quarterback hits. He's been phenomenal this season. He's The Packers really needed him to take that step forward in year three, even, and that became especially true without Zedarius, and he's absolutely done that. And I, I tweeted this out on Friday. I can't believe that after watching Sunday's game and that injury that he's even questionable and has the opportunity to play. I mean, that's, that's incredible, honestly, because that looks so – so gruesome and it looked like just the worst but Packers they were fortunate in that regard that he could honestly suit up this week as we've seen he's listed as questionable and even if he does suit up I won't be surprised if he's on a pitch count so it's gonna you know they're gonna be see a lot of obviously Preston Smith Jonathan Garvin he's had some uh, flashes this season but Tipa, I mean, Tipa is 6'5", 230. He's definitely on the smaller side weight-wise when it comes to the, the edge rushers. And that speed of his, he, you know, that's his path to victory towards winning those pass rush reps. And he has a spin move like the I wrote today, like the Tasmanian Devil. That's his go-to. So he's going to be someone who's utilized in obvious passing situations, you know, third downs, second and longs, things of that nature. And the goal for him is going to be to try to use that speed and not get engaged because I just I, I just wonder how effective he can be and if he has that that size, that that secondary move, that strength to be able to break free if the if an offensive tackle gets his mitts on him. But we're going to see a lot of Preston Smith, Jonathan Garvin, hopefully some Rashawn Gary as well, but I think Tipa's going to end up playing a role because even if we see Gary, as I mentioned, I don't know if it's going to be, you know, the full – 
you know, if they play 60 snaps, I don't know Rashawn's going to be out there for 50 of them. Might be more like 25, 30. So we'll have to see. Get creative on defense, and that's what Joe Barry has done all season long to get this Packers defense performing as well as they are. So that's going to be interesting to see how the Packers generate some pressure without a full go Rashawn Garrity and the rest of their pass rush unit. But it's hard to question this team in terms of depth. We've talked about the depth all season long. This is just one other area of the team to show just how deep they are and show what their true colors look like. As a championship team, like I said, it's going to be guy 1 through 53 that are all going to have to make an impact. So you think up front, as far as no Zadarius Smith, which we haven't had for a while, no Rashad Gary potentially. Then you turn to guys like Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, the defensive line, TJ Slayton, Tyler Lancaster. One name that's uh, still on the injury report is defensive lineman Kingsley Kiki with a concussion. He was limited on Wednesday, Thursday, full practice on Friday. He's listed as questionable. Kiki would be a huge boost if he's able to come back. A big shot in the arm for a defensive line. And when he does play, doesn't make a lot of doesn't have a lot of stats, Paul, but when he does play, he tends to get him in bunches. Last year he had two sacks twice. He had four sacks and he got got two in a game each time. It just seems like he shows up in a big spot. If nothing else, he's gonna have fresh legs. And I think that could be an area where the Packers potentially try to mitigate not having some of their outside guys as they get a push in the middle and get get a push up front. Also wouldn't mind having him back when you've got one of the best running backs in football and Dalvin Cook on the other side for the Vikings, who's lurking, looking to squeak through the offensive line. And, you know, the Vikings, just as much as Green Bay wants to establish the run, the Vikings absolutely want to establish the run, control the ball, control the clock. And Cook is a way that you do that. So never want to you never want to assume anything when it comes to a head injury. It was a concussion. It's not his first one. But getting Kiki back would be a big shot. Like I said, a big shot in the arm for that defensive line that would just get another big piece and, and more depth up front. Yeah, I mean, the best way to uh, allow everyone on the defense to benefit is to get pushed from the interior. Head rushers, linebackers, corner safeties, literally everyone on the defensive unit benefits when the interior is getting a good push. And we've seen that from this Green Bay Packers defense. In Kiki's absence, we've actually gotten to see more of T.J. Slayton against Kansas City. Clark left in the second half. Kiki was out. Uh, Dean Lowry was on a pitch count. We saw TJ Slayton play 46 snaps. And then this past week against Seattle, he only played 12. But man, they were an impactful 12. I think he had three pressures. He had a couple plays in the backfield against the run. Like his, his success rate on those very few reps that he had was, was incredible. So I think we're going to see a lot of TJ Slayton again, because as you mentioned, stopping Dalvin Cook is going to be one of the big keys or the big key for the Packers defense this week. So obviously it's good to get Kingsley Kiki back, but this Packers defense uh, or defense in general is going to have a tough test. But if this interior defensive line can keep playing at the level that they've been playing at, getting pushed from TJ Slayton, Kingsley Kiki, Dean Lowry, as we talked about on here, that allows Green Bay more freedom with Kenny Clark. And as you mentioned, Jason, that's going to help mitigate, you know, potentially not having Rashawn Gary or if Rashawn Gary's on a pitch count. And of course, not having Miss Whitney Merciless either. Yeah, so they're going to have they're going to have some hopefully some more tools in the box to work with on the defensive side of the ball. Kevin King listed on the injury report. He looks like he's good to go, was not listed as questionable. So on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Eric Stokes still has a knee and a thumb injury, but he was a full participant. Darnell Savage looks to be okay with his ankle injury. Uh, just glancing through some of the other players on, on defense there. And then we kind of turn to the offensive side of the ball. 
And Devontae Adams was listed on the injury report. He was a full participant Thursday and Friday. He will play. Aaron Rodgers will play. He's listed as having a toe injury. He will absolutely play. Alan Lazard, shoulder injury. Didn't practice at all this week. He's listed as doubtful. So he must have an opportunity. Maybe if if things go well in warm-ups, he he could potentially play. But we don't see players who are doubtful often end up on the field. And then sticking in the wide receiver room, Malik Taylor's already been ruled out abdomen injury. He won't play. So Lazard is your wide receiver depth. Now you've got MVS back, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb, Josiah DeGuara at tight end, Mercedes Lewis, no Aaron Jones, but A.J. Dillon is in there. So you you would think they can they can work without Alan Lazard, but Malik Taylor's a sneaky one, Paul, because he's a special teams contributor and he was the kick returner since they lost Kylan Hill. Malik Taylor was the kick returner, so the Packers are going to have to figure out now who's going to return kicks. It's not an easy decision to make because it's a specific skill set that guys either have or they don't. So I'll be interested to see who's going to take over there. But a special teams unit that's already struggling loses one of their better performers. So you've got two wide receivers right here that look to have a chance to miss this game. Yeah, that's tough. Um, my my guess is that with Lazardo, I mean, you already mentioned Cobb, MVS, Devontae Adams, that perhaps we see Jawan Winfrey getting some snaps um, as, as that fourth receiver. Obviously, he was, I think by the end of the Arizona game, he was one of Rodgers' go-to guys when they were depleted at receiver. Um, and then for kick returner, I mean, I don't even know what to guess. You could throw Randall Cobb back there. He's going to be the safest option in that you know what you're getting. Of course, you're you know there's the added risk of injury being on kick return. Patrick Taylor, he took some of those kick return snaps along with Kylan Hill during the preseason. So obviously none in the regular season in terms of reps, but he did have some during preseason. Also, we don't know uh, who if he's gotten or how many he's gotten during practice this year. So Cobb, Patrick Taylor, those are kind of the two that I would throw out there. But, I mean, Matt LaFleur, he's keeping this close to the vest as expected um, and not really hinting at who's going to be out there. But, you know, the special teams unit, as you mentioned, Jason, they've really struggled. And just adding that extra element of having to have a new returner now, that's another another thing that can go wrong in all of this. And it's going to be, you know, it's going to be tough to overcome. They're going to have to find a way, though, for a unit that's struggled overall. And I'm guessing Minnesota is going to keep doing what most teams are doing, where they don't want to kick it into the end zone because they're going to dare Green Bay to say, hey, get the ball to the 25-yard line because, for the most part, they haven't been able to. Yeah, and, and I think as far as, as that goes, you know, it's it's you have to trust in Matt LaFleur to be able to put together a plan based on who he's got. Again, the coaching staff, that X factor has been coming through for us this season, and I think they'll have a plan. I think the biggest question is, with all of these things looming, you've got a bye week that's coming really late in the season. You've got a big game against the Rams next week. Now, they got crushed against the Niners this past week, and they look pretty human. So on the road, I think the Packers' chances of getting a win against the Rams are lo- is looking a- looking a little better than it was a week ago at this same time, although I still would have picked Green Bay to win, even had the Rams frankly beaten or dominated the 49ers because they're having to come on the road. And you don't want to look ahead, but this game against the Vikings here has the, all the makings of are they going to look ahead and because and, it's tough. It's a tough road game. It's a tough place to play. The Vikings eke out a win against the Chargers, had they lost, they're three and six. Well, now they're four and five, and they're still very much in it. There's an extra playoff spot they could be fighting for. Mike Zimmer doesn't want to lose his job. 
There's and it, the Packers are a marked team this year. Everybody wants that signature win against Green Bay because it's saving jobs, it's saving seasons, all that kind of stuff. So I expect Minnesota to come strong at at the Packers here. So any of these weaknesses that Green Bay has as far as guys that are out, the Packers are going to have to have a plan for it. Now, fortunately, that's kind of where the injury list ends as far as guys that have a designation for the Packers. Like I mentioned, some other guys, Mercedes Lewis, um, veteran rest, uh, Marcos Valdez-Scantling, hip injury. He was limited Wednesday and Thursday, but he will go. On the Vikings side, Paul, not very many. I mean, you've got uh, you've got Wyatt Davis, a backup guard who hasn't played any much this season. He's not going to play, which isn't really a loss for the Vikings there. And former Packer and cornerback Rashad Breland is listed as questionable with a groin injury. He was limited all three days. Otherwise, the Vikings are at full strength. So we turn to the other side of the coin here and say that Minnesota's coming in healthy. They're at home. They've got a chance to tip their season in a in a certain direction we were talking a little bit before the game or before the show started about this game and i said this one just has a weird feeling to me and you compared it to last year the game at lambeau field which was kind of a weird one it's a divisional matchup all those things so in looking at the vikings being at full strength and in kind of how this one is looking what do you what do you foresee what do you do you, you you compared it to last year so do you think it's just a weird game or do you think there's specific matchups and things that Minnesota is going to be able to exploit yeah uh, last year's game made it extra weird just because the wind was blowing here like 40 50 miles an hour which didn't help Green Bay but I think it's going to be similar to that in the regard of we're going to see a whole lot of Dalvin Cook in the run game limiting keeping Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines something that you know most teams want to accomplish and the Vikings did a really good job of that I believe by halftime of that game last year I think each team had two possessions and both teams had scored but the best way to try to limit this Packers offense is to get them or any offense is to give them fewer opportunities and keep Aaron Rodgers on the sideline so it's going to come down to this Packers run defense which has been improved this year compared to where it was a year ago and getting those stops getting off the field so they can get the ball back in Aaron Rodgers hands because if this turns into a you know seven eight possession game something low like that um, that obviously just plays into the Vikings favor for the Packers on offense I mean I could say this every week but I'm hoping that we see them run the football Mike Zimmer does a very 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 good job of of slowing Aaron Rodgers in this Packers passing attack. He he has done that since he became head coach of Minnesota. And the Vikings are getting back Harrison Smith. I believe he's off the COVID reserve list now. Patrick Peterson, he can come back from IR. Minnesota has not made that decision yet, so we'll have to find out on Saturday, I think, is when that would that news would come out. But Leaning on the run game for Green Bay, I think, is their best path to success on the offensive side of the ball. And I mean, we saw it last week too. Just the lack of the lack of rhythm and uh, just being on the same page that this unit has. Because I mean, they haven't practiced together very often, or at least not much recently. Roger was Rogers was limited on Friday. That was his first full practice since before the Arizona game, and before that Arizona game. Devante and Al Lazard were on the COVID list, so he didn't practice with them that week leading up to it. MVS, he was on IR since the San Francisco game. So Rodgers hadn't thrown to MVS in practice until today. And before that, it was week week two or leading into week three against San Francisco. Like these guys are just, I know it's Aaron Rodgers, it's Devontae Adams, they have this insane connection, but you still need practice reps. And we saw that on 
Sunday against Seattle, everything was just a little, just a little bit off. And there hasn't been much practice this week for Rodgers or some of those guys. So I, I just don't think leaning on the passing game is going to be their path to success, especially against Mike Zimmer and his defense. Like I said, he does a very good job at stifling Rodgers. So you don't have Aaron Jones, but you still do have A.J. Dillon. So lean on that run game. Paul, you've written a bazillion articles. Have any of them, have any of them ever delved into Rodgers, his deep ball, the fact that it hasn't been there as much, his footwork, any of that stuff? Because even with practice, it just seems like if there's one guy Rodgers has struggled to get on the same page with on that deep ball, it's Mark Valdez scantling I mean, I don't even know how many points have been left off the scoreboard in the last two or three seasons when he's MVS has been open and Rodgers just couldn't hit him on that deep shot. It's funny you mention that. Actually, I keep like a spreadsheet where just if I have an idea. I, I just, knew you would. <laughs> I type it in there, and this has been one of them for probably about two weeks now. I haven't gotten around to it. But, yeah, if you look at uh, some of the numbers over at like Pro Football Focus, for example, Rodgers has been one of the more inaccurate quarterbacks this season on passes of 20 yards or more. And, again, what's the reason for that? I mean, anyone's, anyone's guess is as good as mine, but I think a lot of it goes down to just the lack of the practice time and, you know, not throwing to these guys consistently just because, like I said, MVS and Rodgers, they had thrown together since uh, a week prior to week three in practice. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, and it's one of those things, too, where you just assume, or maybe it's just me, but you're just kind of under the assumption that at some point this season we're going to see them flip the switch and start firing on all cylinders closer to what they did in 2020 because we know how good this offense can be, and a lot of the same guys or mostly the same guys are a part of it. So, But I think it all starts with the run game. We know that the run game sets up everything in this Matt LaFleur offense, and they've been very hit and miss in their – willingness to stick to it um, this season and maybe that's because of the musical chairs along the offensive line because it's not like you know most of these games are racking up five six yards per carry or having that you know 20 25 30 yard rush they haven't done that in most of the games this season I get it they're kind of more just you know picking up three and a half four you know four and a quarter yards per carry and that's enough to be effective like really that's you know, if you average four yards per rush, your running backs do for a game, you're going to do just fine, but it's not those explosive plays. So maybe the offensive line cohesiveness and just the movement that's taking place and missing Myers, Bakhtiari, you know, Jenkins missing time, maybe that's playing a role in it. But I think it all just starts with getting back to the run game and leaning on it. And as I had just mentioned previously, I think that's going to be a big key for them this week. Yeah, that's a good point. And that whole not practicing with MVS is once is one that I didn't even think of. That's a really good – I mean, just to think of what they have done without some of that practice time and still being able to win. Now, it's easy when your defense is holding the opposition under 20 points in every game and you have Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. You you know, in his sleep, he can still get you 17 to 20 points and help lead you there. And obviously, you said the run game and Aaron Jones. There's a lot of other factors beyond Rodgers that are important there as well. But I think that's the key for this week as we kind of turn to how we see this game going and what our thoughts are on this game before we sign off here. I look at it as – kind of what we've already talked about. I think the Packers offense has to, they've got to eat up some time on the clock and score. And it's like, if, if you kick field goals, okay, that's fine. I don't think Minnesota and their offense, unless Green Bay's defense is just gassed 
and everything they're going to turn into clunker at some point and if I'd rather have them do it now than they do in the, than do it in the playoffs and if Green Bay's defense is gassed and they just end up giving up more touchdowns I mean they're going to have their hands full with Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, said Dalvin Cook before, you know, Kirk Cousins has been up and down. He hasn't had some of his best games against the Packers, but they like to push the ball downfield. It sounds like Mike Zimmer kind of gave him the license to open things up a little bit. So maybe they'll take a few deep shots this week. Although Eric Stokes seemed to play well last week against Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, a really good deep ball team in Seattle. So I think it's take time off the clock, but the bigger, the other big key too is in these divisional games, they're physical. We talk about the weird, the weird factor. It's turnovers. The Packers cannot lose the turnover battle. I think if they do, I honestly think if they turn the ball over more than once, they're probably not going to win this game because the Vikings at home, very motivated team, unless they just come out flat, and I don't expect that to happen. I just think they have too much riding on their season right now to come out flat in this game, and anything can happen, and Green Bay can still win in any, any fashion. I mean, they could win going away. They could win a close game, but just limit the mistakes. Obviously, we'd like to see Mason not miss any field goals this week, and don't lose the turnover battle. So control the clock. Don't turn the ball over. I think those are the two biggest keys. I'm going to wait on my prediction until after you give some of your keys to the game. If you want to give your prediction, you can, and I'll, otherwise I'll kick it back and I'll I'll talk through kind of how I see this one ending up. Yeah, I think I've gotten into most of what my thoughts are, and it's centered around the run game for both teams. Green Bay, lean on it. Green Bay defense, stop Minnesota and Dalvin Cook. Those are going to be the two keys on each side of the ball. And one of the things with this defense and how they found their – um, you know, their success this season. Of course, it's like anything in football. There's a million reasons as to why. But it's the fundamentals. They are one of the least penalized teams in football. They're one of the best at generating turnovers. And they're one, they've been one of the best in terms of uh, tackling, tackling. tackling yeah. this season, which is, you know, odd as a Green Bay Packers <laughs> fan this year. Uh, it's kind of a bizarre world. We have tremendous linebacker play, great tackling, and Mason Crosby's missing field goals. The offense is not quite clicking while the defense is leading the way. It's kind of a bizarre world for us Packer fans this year. But it's those fundamentals that have been a big part of Green Bay success. So, obviously, again, that's going to be key, stopping the run, leaning on the run. But I think it's going to be, like you said, Jason, I think it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a close one. It's a divisional game. Uh, we know Minnesota, their U.S. Bank Stadium, it's a difficult place to go into. But I have the Packers winning this one in a close one, 20-17. to 17. 2017 Packers. I'll take it. I'll take shit. I would take a three to nine, <laughs> three to nothing game right. there after the way I feel about about this matchup. So I can't not pick the Packers, but there's this this feeling inside of me that's just kind of like you know the Indianapolis game last year was one of those where it's like, well, we'll see what happens. I didn't really have a good vibe or feeling for it, and sure enough, the Packers made a game of it. Just a mistake late that kind of cost them, and they ended up losing the game. They actually went into overtime, so could see overtime in this game as well. I'm seeing more of a 24-21 Packers. I think it'll be close. I'm not going to predict them to score a bunch of points because until they do, I'll just assume that they can't. But that's okay. Just outscoring your opponent is all that really matters. I think if Green Bay can establish the run, I mean, we'll know early on kind of how things are going to start off. If if they start off fast, you know, they get the ball first, they go down, they score a touchdown. I'm liking that. I think that sets a good tone. And then you put the Packers defense in the driver's seat and they can do a little bit more as far as just trying to get after Kirk Cousins. I think if you have Jonathan Garvin out there and, and guys that aren't used to playing a bunch of snaps and it's it's more of strategic and they're not able to just pin their ears back, it could get a little bit, could get a little bit tough. But it's going to be a tough game. 
for the Packers, and this is one I think on my pregame show, the preseason show, I uh, I don't recall. Do you remember how you picked this one? I had the Packers winning this game, but I think I know Jake Westendorf had them not winning this game, and I don't recall how you had it shaken out back then. Yes, I had the Vikings winning this one, and my reason was because I just going eight zero in the division is very hard to do, mm-hmm. and I had Green Bay winning all of them, so that was my reason for picking Minnesota. But you know, based on what we've seen so far. This Packers defense. I'm putting my faith in them, and they're going to help. You know, they're going to lead the way again to another Packers. Victory. Well, we know that that loss can't come against a team that Aaron Rodgers is an owner of, or the Detroit Lions. So the only other <laughs> right. option would be this week exactly. against Minnesota, right? So there's a good chance that the Packers end up in really good shape in the division if they can end up getting this big road win against the Vikings, and if they do, it keeps them in the driver's seat in the NFC as well. Ahead of a big game against the Los Angeles Rams the following week at Lambeau Field. Thanksgiving weekend will be a Sunday game. So this is a nooner. We haven't had a noon game in a long time, Paul. So it's a 12 o'clock start. It's 11 o'clock. I'm excited for that. It's 11 o'clock for me, which is cool because then the game's over. I mean, before before daylight savings time ends, it's 10 o'clock here. So the games are over by like 1, which is incredible. Absolutely incredible. You You get your Packers football early. Game is over. You get get some of the day back, and now it's. I'm all I'm all for the noon games. Yeah, love the twelve o'clock games. I'm sure, absolutely, just gives you more flexibility in your day. Unless you've got a long honeydew list, and then you have stuff to do afterwards. (laughs) All right, so the Quick Slants podcast. This is uh, we'll be back on Monday with a recap of the game. Afterwards, I'll have that for you, and I'll write up the game recap over at Game On Wisconsin. Paul, as far as written work. Over at Dairyland Express, Cheesehead TV, Packers Unrestricted. What do we have coming up? Yeah, so Saturday here, I have my five big questions facing the Green Bay Packers. I come out with that every every week. Um, just the big it centers around kind of the keys to the game and the the questions surrounding that. Um, I also have articles this week, um, a joint one on Tipa and Patrick Taylor, two twenty twenty undrafted rookies. We're now going to be playing some bigger roles um, on on Sunday. And then at Cheesehead TV, I actually took a look at the Packers uh, tackling and just how good they've been at it this season. Oh, yeah. And at Cheesehead TV, also showed some love for TJ Slayton. Like I said, he's been playing really good as of late. Awesome stuff. A lot of good stuff to look forward to. And we look forward to hopefully welcoming our third amigo, Matt Fralick, back next weekend. Matt, hope you're feeling better. Get better. A Packers victory always helps take a little bit of the pain away. So, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in and listening. As always, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Enjoy the Packers at the Vikings. Stay safe and go Pack Go.